Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. An Erio's original... And welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite mysteries. Each week, we will introduce our topic, lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. I'm Allie Siegel, and I'm so excited because I just found out what this guest's job was, and I have a million questions. We have special guest Jackie Nodell. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Allie. Did How's I pronounce it going? Your, good. Did I pronounce your last name right, too? You sure did, yeah. Okay, because I'm notorious for pronouncing everything wrong. Oh, well, you're <laughs> great. You did great. Okay, good. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your very cool job that you just informed me of. Okay. So um, I'm Jackie, like Allie said, and I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Ooh. Yeah. And um, I am a comic book historian. Which is insane. Uh, I like. Yeah. I didn't even know. How did you come across? Like, how, how does one become a comic book historian? Well, it's been a lifelong journey <laughs> in that. Um, so my grandfather was actually a comic book artist. Oh my god! And um, he created the Green Lantern. Holy the Golden shit! Age That's Green Lantern. crazy. Yeah. So I grew up going to comic book conventions. I can safely say that I'm probably one of the few people that went to a comic book convention uh, while they were in the womb. Yeah, that's um, wild. <laughs> um, and so I just grew up with it. And um, 
I kind of strayed from it. And then as um, I became an adult, I really got back into it. And in 2009, I started a blog called Sequential Crush. And that was all about the history of 1960s and 1970s uh, romance comic books. So what are like romance comic books? Are there any that like are that are famous or is that kind of like an underground? Well, they just they were actually at one time, um, like in the late 40s and in the 50s, more popular than superhero books. And um, I mean, boys read them too, but they were made mostly for girls and young women. And um, after this is a whole separate like show about the I was literally uh, about to be like we need to have you on for a comic book episode because this is so interesting (laughs) yeah there was um a a thing called the comics code in the 50s and they decreased in popularity after that and superheroes came back but today um I think that if you aren't familiar with romance comics most people know um sort of the imagery of um that Roy Lichtenstein yes 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 uh, yes like he basically stole those from uh, comic books and, oh. um, you know, the ones of the girls, you know, crying, yeah. those are from romance comic books. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, so you- they were, you know, dating stories and stuff like that. I love that. Um, so do you have a favorite comic book or favorite, oh. like, few comic books? Well, um the past couple of years, I had been collecting tons of romance comic books. Um, and for me, comic books are kind of the weirder, um, the better. Yeah. Um, so right now, now that I've built my romance collection, I'm kind of looking for like all sorts of um, oddball comics. Like I have um, a like Smokey the Bear um, comic book. I just bought one um, about Supergirl and um, seatbelt safety that was put out by the Department of Transportation. Oh, um, my God. So really, my favorites are just whatever is is weird and sort of offbeat. This is inspiring me. I, I want to <laughs> do now like a web crawlers comic of me and Melissa solving crimes. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we can make that happen. <laughs> yeah, this is my new passion in life. Um, well, now that I've asked you a million questions about your job, please continue. I'm sorry I've derailed you. Oh, no, no, you're fine. Okay, so not only am I a huge comic book fan, yeah. I also love crime. And, you know, because I'm in my 30s. and <laughs> That's so, what we do. That's what women yeah, in our 30s do. It's just what women do. So, um I don't think my husband will ever understand it, but um, so I listen to tons of podcasts and, you know, I just got my discovery plus um, Hell yeah. <laughs> subscription, all that good stuff. Um, and so I was wondering, were there any comic book, like real life co- stories of comic book crimes that had happened oh, around comic books? And so I had heard of some, I knew of some, and then I, you know, did some research and I actually came up with a huge list. So there's way too much for one episode, but okay, but I, this is a podcast that you should start. Well, so actually I did just start a podcast. Okay, great. What is it? 
Um, it's called Sequential Crush. It's the same as my <laughs> blog. And it's it's about comic book history in general. So okay. I will have some of those crime episodes okay, up good. on there at okay. some point. Because I want to be like, um, don't give us all the good stuff. Like, no, this no, no. Is- <laughs> <laughs> So I have three stories for you today. Amazing. Um, because I knew the web crawlers audience <laughs> would love to hear about some pop culture and crime. Yeah, they love this shit. Yeah. So one of these stories um, has a famous actor. Uh, Another ended in a murder. There was a third where the good guys weren't all they were cracked up to be. So there's kind of a a twist (laughs) at the end. Um, Okay. So just one little note about comic book collecting before we get started. Okay. So comic books really only have value um, like when they're sold, like any collectible Um, because I mean, technically it's just paper, right? It's just ephemera that if no one wants it, it's not worth anything. So they're only technically worth what someone is willing to purchase um, at an auction. Yeah. So keep that in mind um, okay. while we listen to these stories. Okay, great. Okay. So the first one, um, Allie, I'm sure, do you know who uh, Nicholas Coppola is? I do, but our <laughs> listeners our listeners might not. So why don't you tell us who Nicholas okay. Coppola is? So Nicholas Coppola is Nicholas or Nick Cage. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. He's part of that family. He is. He yeah, is. Um, he is. And he is really into comic books. Um, huh. You may remember he played Ghost Rider. Um, and you probably heard that he was slated to pay, play Superman in this abandoned uh, Tim Burton uh, Superman Lives movie. I did not so, know that. That's yes. crazy. There's actually a documentary that someone made through a Kickstarter about the whole thing. Um, I oh haven't watched god. it yet, but it's on my list. Oh my god! Um, one of his kids is named Kal-El, which is Superman's birth <laughs> yeah. name. Oh my god, that's insane! And even Cage comes from uh, the comic book character Luke Cage. Oh wow! I did not yeah. know that that's how he got his. Wow! Yes, he is a real comic book head. He like really is in it. Super into comic books. Oh my god! Um, and so this is probably one of the most well-known cases of comic book crime. Um, so because he was a, such a huge fan, he had amassed a large comic book collection, including a copy of one of the most important comics ever published. Do you want to take a guess? Oh, God. Uh, the first edition of Superman? Batman? Superman? Superman. Superman. Oh, wow. yep. Okay. So that comic was called Action Comics, and it was number one, and it was published in 1938. Holy shit. Yeah. So it's an old yeah. comic book. Um, And not only was it a rare comic book, he had an incredibly... um pristine copy it was wow. graded like at a near near mint so it was just in such good condition and so valuable so in january of 2000 nicholas cage reported that that comic book along with 
um, a few others, including the first appearance of Batman, had just vanished from his house. Shit. They had been like mounted in frames and they were gone. Oh, God. So he wasn't sure when exactly they had been stolen because there had been people at his home in Los Angeles. You know, I'm sure he's got like staff and yeah. uh, probably had parties. I was going to say, I feel like he's like a partier. Like I feel yeah. like he's got some people in and out. So he was like totally shocked. I mean, I can't even imagine. I'm shocked pretty much every day when my iPhone goes missing. Yes. And I find it in the couch. So Yeah, like when I can't find my remote or my keys. Like I can't imagine just coming home and being like, oh, these hugely expensive things that I love are now all of a sudden gone. Exactly. So imagine this comic book. Okay, so the Los Angeles Police Department art theft detail department, (laughs) uh, they were put on the case and they were given a number of tips, including bad tips. And one uh, in 2002, it led them to a safety deposit box um, here in Tennessee. I was going to say, was it your house? <laughs> <laughs> the, the FBI raided my home. Yes. <laughs> I was in high school, um, but yeah. And um, it turned out to be like a replica of the Action Comics number one cover. And it was wrapped around a lingerie catalog. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Weirdo, <ew. laughs> yeah, I know. So I don't know whose that was, but yeah. Um, then in 2011, the comic randomly popped up in a abandoned storage locker in uh, the San Fernando Valley in California, and one of the guys from Storage Wars that show actually like reunited him with the comic because i think he had bought the contents of this that's so funny i was about to be like (laughs) did it end up on storage wars and then like it literally did like that's so funny (laughs) um so sadly uh nick cage ended up selling uh the copy of action comics number one shortly Mm -hmm. after he got it back um i think he had some some money that he um yeah had yeah so um you said you know a lot about nick cage so you probably know more about yeah, that yeah we than did me. an episode on him I, he he accrued some debt <laughs> yeah yeah um so at auction um the comic book went for over two million dollars which at the time it was the most expensive comic book ever sold oh my god so um, I'm guessing, you know, not only because it was Superman, but it had belonged to Nick, Nick Cage. Cage. Yeah. It had it had gone missing for over 10 years. So the the provenance yeah. of the comic book, you know, is really interesting. So there were other comics that did go missing from his collection, and they are still missing. How including weird. The Detective Comics number 27 with the first appearance of Batman. So we still don't know who stole the comics and why. I don't know. I'm guessing maybe they're still looking or like it's a cold case. Um, But the perp is still out there. You know what's so weird about stealing something that's so specific is like if you try to resell it, isn't it immediately (laughs) tracked back? to the original owner like I, I it just seems like a bad idea 
you would you would think whoever stole it would think about that. Um, it's not like they're just stealing something that's you know every day and run of the mill. Yeah. Um, the funny thing is that in 2012, it was reported that the guys behind um, one of my favorite shows, Reno 911. I love Reno 911 <laughs> so much. Oh my um, god. They were working on a movie version of this whole heist, and it was going to be called Action Number One. Oh my um, god! But I I wasn't able to find any updates, and I guess it was probably like abandoned. Um, That's brilliant, though. That would be yeah. so funny, and also I can imagine Nick Cage being willing to be in it as well. <laughs> yeah, um, and then actually, just this past April. Um, Nick Cage did a little spoof video um, promoting his last movie, um, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Yes. And in the little spoof video, he pleads uh, for his comic books back. And they oh my put God. Like, a, a fake hotline number. Um, That's they so should have put a real number. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it does go to show that uh, Nick Cage has a pretty good sense of humor. Oh, I think so too. Thing. And that movie was, I mean, it was a, it was stupid, but it, it really showed like he does have a sense of humor about himself. Like I really yeah. enjoy him. Obviously. Yeah. Yes. So that is the Nicolas Cage uh, action comics. That's uh, insane. I, I mean, yeah. I'm a Nick Cage head and I had no idea that that had happened to him, nor did I know that comic books could sell for $2 million. Yes. And now they're selling for more. Um, some of them. I know um, An Amazing Fantasy, number 15, first um, appearance of Spider-Man just sold for like, it was like three and a half million. Oh, my God. So, yeah. If you have any of those comics, you're sitting pretty. Um, Jesus. So the next story, it's sad um, because it did end with a murder. Okay. So very sad, <laughs> but there are some interesting points. Okay. So there was a 78-year-old man named Homer Merciniak in mm -hmm. a small town in upstate New York. Okay. Um the town was is called Medina, mm. um, and he was a retired janitor, and he had this comic book collection, um, and it was mostly superhero comics and lots of war comics. Wow! Now, unlike Nicolas Cage's um, collection, this guy had a lot of like less uh, valuable issues, but he had a a ton of them. A very large collection. And it was worth anywhere it was estimated um, because he did leave a list um, about $30,000 to $100,000, the whole collection. Wow. So the other main player in this terrible story is a guy named Rico Vendetti. And he just sounds like a villain. Doesn't yeah, I was going like... to say that sounds like an evil character from a comic book. <laughs> yeah. So Vendetti was the owner of a few small businesses in, um, I believe, in Rochester, also in upstate New York, including he had like a pizza place and a bar and a pawn shop. And he was living upstairs from one of his businesses. And it turned out he was running another enterprise. But this one, 
It wasn't food or drink. It was a criminal. Yeah, he sounds like a mob boss or something. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. So what Vendetti had was a gang of people that would boost items from various stores, and then they would sell the stolen items on eBay and on Craigslist. He was, I found that he was selling everything from stolen breast pumps. Oh my God. uh, (laughs) What? To binoculars and um, pet medications, pet DNA tests, um, and razors. And apparently crest white strips were one of his like best sellers. Um, And he even sold stolen cross stitch kits from like Joanne Fabrics. I feel like a lot of this is like stealing people's CVS bags and like Amazon packages. And like, this is so weird. Yeah. I (laughs) guess, you know, he had this like gang of boosters who were, you know, an organized shoplifting ring. Ring. This is crazy. So somehow this Rico guy found out about the retired janitor's uh, comic book collection. He decided he wanted it. So he first sent someone to uh, Marciniak's house to try to buy the collection from him. Um, But the guy didn't want to sell. He decided, uh, Vendetti decided that he would get the collection the way he got the rest of his merchandise. Um, He would just steal it. Oh, this poor guy. So, but he decided he wouldn't do it himself because that wasn't his style. He's a coward. He organized a team of people to steal the comic book collection. So he hired this woman um, named Arlene Combs, who had worked at his pizza restaurant. He, I guess his, I think his pizza place was called Papa Vans. Why does that sound familiar, <laughs> kind of? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's a few. Re- Wait, Papa Vans? Yeah. Pizza. I- I think it was just like a what because of his last name, Vendetti. Oh, here it is. Papa Van's Eatery, Rochester. Yeah. I mean, I don't know oh, if it's, it's still. Yeah, that was his. That was yeah. his. Oh, yeah. Um, uh-huh. So Arlene, um, he, she said that she would go organize a group of people to complete the theft. Aww. And he was going to give her $2,500 to get the comic book collection to him. So she assembled a group of people to break into this poor guy's house. And there were actually two attempts at stealing the collection. um, But the first time she couldn't find the guy's house. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So the second time she was given a pre-programmed GPS. (laughs) I'm surprised they didn't just print her out like MapQuest. Yeah, Yeah, that's what my mom does. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So then on July 4th, 2010, Arlene and this crew that she had assembled of three guys went to Marciniak's house and cut the phone lines. Oh, my God. And then they came back um, the next day, like in the very early morning hours, and they broke into the house through a, a window on the first floor. Jesus. The elderly man woke up from the noise and he confronted the burglars oh. and they, one of the guys hit him in the face violently, and there was blood, and he was tied up with sheets, and they threatened him with a gun. It turned out that it was a BB gun, but still yeah. extremely 
extremely traumatizing, right? Of course. So the burglars stole coins and other valuables, and they got the comic book collection. Oh, God. And they had a getaway driver, and this woman drove the getaway car, and off they went. So Marciniak was thankfully able to get himself free from being tied up. He ran to a neighbor's house, and he was in his underwear and an undershirt, and he was bleeding. They took him to the local hospital, and his facial injuries were treated. Well, unfortunately, he went home, and it was like less than 10 hours later, he had a heart attack and died. No, my God. So sad. And his death was attributed to the physical assaults, the emotional trauma, everything. Um, And it was also said that he was heartbroken over the theft of his beloved comic book collection, which, I mean, as a collector myself, I totally get, you know, you're, they are material things, but you get attached, Attached. right? I wonder if like, in terms of, of in court, if someone if you if someone dies of a heart attack, if you, that can be, still be like manslaughter or not, probably yeah. not. I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll get. We'll there. see. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so after that evening on July fifth, Arlene Combs and another guy took the comic book collection um, to the Rico Vendetti, the mastermind behind mm. this whole thing. But when Vendetti found out, um, I guess he heard on the news that Marciniak had died as a result of the home invasion, he decided he would have to destroy the collection. All for nothing. Yeah. Vendetti and his crew, they weren't picked up. No one knew. And the case went cold. A few minutes. A few minutes. A A few few minutes later. (laughs) Actually, a few months later. A woman was picked up in Rochester on prostitution charges. Uh-oh, was it Arlene? And <laughs> hoping she could evade charges, she let the cops know that she had some information on a home invasion in Ooh. Medina. Well, it turns out that it was the very home invasion we've been speaking about. And the woman who was a sex worker, it was not Arlene, it was a different woman. Oh. She had been the getaway driver. Oh, my God. Yeah. She was able to lead the cops to Vendetti and his crew. And he was ultimately charged with racketeering for not only the uh, burglary, but the whole shoplifting empire that he had. So all those cold medications and breast pumps. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the razors, the dog pills. <laughs> yes. The, the, those were, um, he was Good. charged with that. Um, he was sentenced to 20 years. Okay. And so was Arlene Combs. Oh, wow. Okay. One of the other guys, the guy who actually hit him in the face yeah. was charged with murder. Good, 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 good. And he was sentenced to 20 years. So I don't know their status, um, yeah. but hopefully they do serve, you know, the a whole, lot of that. Yeah. Um, or all of it. Um, besides the fact that this innocent man lost his life, 
the collection that Homer Marciniak had, they weren't purchased in his adulthood. They weren't like, you know, Nick Cage buying comics because he's rich and famous. These were the comic books that he had collected as a child. This makes me want to cry. That's so sad. So sad. And he was just a retired janitor. So these comic books not only had immense sentimental value to him, he had planned to pass them on to his family, like his nephews and niece and nephews. So just very tragic. Um, The comic books were never recovered. So it is very likely that they were uh, destroyed or thrown away by Vendetti. Um, But Marciniak did have a list. So I am hoping that maybe someday some of them will turn up and can be given to his family. So we'll see. Um, Actually, um, I'm sure you watch American Greed. Yeah, I've seen a few episodes of that show. Yeah. They cover this story. in a lot more detail in episode or in season 11. Oh, cool. They did a good episode on the maple syrup heist. I think. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> they, they do. They did a great job and they actually like drew the story, like in a comic book, like in panels. and. Things. Oh, how cool. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Um, But really just a sad story and such a shame because yeah. of all the greed and self-interest oh. and, um, How horrible in this poor yeah, guy. Oh, I gosh. know. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. So that one was a little heavy <laughs> on the murder. And <laughs> that was a little murder heavy. That was a little murder heavy. So we are going to wrap this up with one more story of comic books and crime. Ooh, yes. Okay. This story is wild and there's so many components to it. And I'm going to try to explain it as succinctly as possible. And I'm probably going to butcher um, some of the names. That's because, what we do here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so hopefully no one, um, yeah. you know, calls in and gets angry. <laughs> that's okay. That's, that's the web crawler's way. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So the story starts with an attorney named Anthony Chiafalo. From 2010 to 2012, he worked as corporate counsel in Houston, Texas huh. for an American branch of a Japanese crane company called Tadano. Huh. Not long after he started working for them, the amount of money the company was spending on billable hours and legal fees just like totally skyrocketed. Huh. And they were like, you know, where's all this going? It's more than. Yeah, you know, what's what, going on? Yeah. So they ended up doing an investigation in 2012. And as it turns out, Shiafalo was, let's just call him Anthony. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, Anthony. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was embezzling money from the company. Oh, and in shit. total, he stole $9 million in just two years. Of employment. Okay, way to not be like <laughs> sly about it. <laughs> exactly. He wasn't doing it like, um, yeah. you know, pennies at a time. Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, what does he decide to do all with all this money? <laughs> oh, what do you think, Ellie? He decided I mean, to buy. <laughs> he must have bought comic books, I'm assuming. Yes. That's insane. <laughs> so he bought a bunch of collectibles, um, comic books included. And not only did he buy comic books, he bought, um, they reported a bunch of Mussolini um, memorabilia. What? Like, I don't know why, but okay. That's, That's like a whole nother. Yeah. Podcast. What? <laughs> okay. So he, the comic books he bought, he bought um, just a ton of comics. Some were like not worth anything, um, but he did buy a number of highly collectible ones. Huh. One being All-Star Comics number three from 1940. Oh, wow. And you may have seen this one, but it has the uh, Justice Society of America sitting around a table. And it's all the heroes from the Justice Society, which was like a precursor oh, wow. to the Justice League. Oh, and um, the Justice Society is considered the first true like superhero team. Like the first Avengers. Yeah. So 
when this comic book went up for sale in 2012 by an auction house called Heritage, which is one of the biggest auction houses for comic books, it got a lot of attention because the comic seemed to sell for way more than it should have. It was valued around $70,000 on the high end, but the comic book ended up selling for a record-breaking $200,000. What? So, and at this auction, there were also another um, other comic books that were considered mid-tier comic books. And as far as value, um, you know, they were kind of, you know, not super high, but definitely worth stuff. And they were just going for crazy amounts in this auction. And people were like, what is going on? Like, like money these same this is crazy. These same comics had been for sale previously, like the same titles, um, and they didn't get this much money. But this whoever's bidding on them is didn't seem to know much about comic book values. They were just yeah. throwing out huge numbers. Huh. So Anyway, people were flabbergasted and um, people started to think, well, whoever's buying this collection in this auction must just have a lot of money to burn. Yeah. So I wonder who that could have been. (laughs) Could it have been Anthony? Tony. Tony. (laughs) Tony. (laughs) So right after the crane company, uh, Tadano, began their investigation um, on the suspicious transactions um he didn't show up for work the next day (laughs) and he went on the run for about six months oh god he then randomly turned himself in to police in rhode island now remember all um he had worked in texas so he showed up in rhode island and it's not like he had run out of money because when he was arrested, he had like a suitcase with like a hundred grand in it. So um, that's weird. He must have felt things were closing in on him. And yeah. Um, so also, whenever you have money in a suitcase, it's never a good sign. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but that's not even the craziest part of this story. Oh my God. So while Anthony was on the run, Uh, The crane company had hired a private investigator to figure out the extent of the embezzlement, and it led them to a storage facility in Texas. And it was a climate-controlled storage facility. (laughs) As a comic book historian. (laughs) Thank God. And a a former museum uh, worker. I'm thankful for that. Um, But they also found wire transfers from Anthony to Heritage Auctions. So they knew it was him that had bought these comic books. Now, the Harris County District Attorney Investigator, um, his name uh, is Dustin Deutsch. And I guess I hope I'm saying that right. Or Deutsch. Um, But he was a specialist in forensic evidence. And he even taught um, like college courses on forensics. Um, he was in charge of cataloging all the stolen items and comic books. And um, he had put them all in boxes and recorded them. And in the storage unit was 
that $200,000 issue of All-Star Comics um, that had been purchased. For some reason, that comic book, along with some other of the higher-end comics, Never made it onto the evidence list. What? All these all these weird guys are like comic book heads. This is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so about three months, um, we're kind of going back to when Anthony was still on the run. Um, there was this other guy named Lonnie Blevins, and he went to the Wizard World comic book convention in Chicago. Which that actually used to be like one of my favorite comic book conventions to attend. Oh my God, how fun. <laughs> yeah. So um, maybe he was there and this was happening while I was there. I don't yeah, know. I was going to say, where, where were you during this <laughs> <Yeah>. whole thing? <laughs> um, so he goes um, and he brings a box of comics to try to sell at this convention. And that's really typical. At a, um, There's comic book dealers. There's dealers oh, okay. buying. There's just random people buying stuff. Um, and the man who purchased the all-star comics number three was a little suspicious how this random guy had just gotten all these really pristine comics, yeah. including that all-star comics. Um, especially because here's another thing. These really high priced comics get um, put in a plastic case and in the comic book industry, it's called slabbing. Ooh. So these comics are slabbed, and it's basically like a plastic uh, prison yeah. for comic books. Um, and you can't read them, you can't take them out, but they do have a serial number and other identifying information once they're put in that plastic. Right. And the one that Heritage Auctions had sold had been in one of those cases. So anyway, this guy is like, he bought the comic, but, um, you know, and this is like tens of thousands of dollars he's buying this comic for. He bought it and two other people bought comics that Lonnie Blevins was selling that weekend. Eventually, the person who bought the All-Star Comics 3 realized it had the same blemishes and inconsistencies like on the covers and on the pages as the one that had sold in the auction for $200,000. Oh my God. I think I know where this is going. And it was the same <laughs> comic. So who was Lonnie Blevins? Oh, was, no. was he just a comic book fan? Oh no. Nope. He was another investigator from the Harris County DA's office. And he had been working with the forensic investigator uh, Dustin Dooch. I knew it. <laughs> they had stolen the evidence from the embezzlement case, and then they sold it. This is and one they- of like the dorkiest <laughs> cases of dirty cops I've like I know. ever. <laughs> I know, right? And they had gone so far as to break open the the oh plastic slabbing because they thought, I guess, in their their brains that. It would disguise the comic. Oh, my God. So eventually, Lonnie Blevins and Dustin Joich were sentenced to 10 and five years, respectively. Jesus Christ. So I don't know who is worse in this story. The uh, Anthony, who started it all off and committed the embezzlement, 
or the two guys who are supposed to be the good guys. Yeah. Who should have known better and they resold the comics. So I also don't understand prison sentences. Like this guy like stole the comic book and got te- and resold it and got 10 years. And in the previous story, that guy like murdered someone and got 20. It just like, I, I feel like prison sentences are just like really arbitrary that they just like throw out a number. I know. Right. And the main guy, Anthony Chiofalo, um, he was sentenced to 40 years for the embezzlement. But what? I, I looked him up and I tried to find what he was doing now. He was released in 2019. Oh, my God. So he only served like seven years of his 40-year sentence. That's insane. Now, he was disbarred. And I found... His profile on uh, reedsy.com. Match, match.com. <laughs> match.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, reedsy.com, it's like they do editing services for like oh. self publishing and that sort of thing. Um, and he was advertising, he is currently advertising his services as a translator from, um, for. Italian, Spanish, Portuguese, Romanian, German, and Dutch. Oh my God, we got to get him to to translate this episode into Italian. <laughs> yes, I. Yeah. Who knows if he has the same sense of humor as Nick Cage? Yeah, that's true. Here, right. Um, he his uh, bio also says he's an aspiring author hmm. and an attorney. It goes through his um, legal bona fides, but most importantly, it lists in his bios that he studied the true meaning of life at the Texas Department of Criminal Justice from 2012 to 2019. Meaning prison? Yeah, that's honestly a really smart way to put prison in your resume. That's genius. (laughs) So here's to hoping he studied hard and learned his lesson. Oh, my God. That's so funny. If you have any gaps in your resume, you should put like study the true meaning of life at my house (laughs) or like homeschool the true meaning of life. Like that's smart. I like that. I actually like that about him. (laughs) (laughs) so in conclusion yes i think the moral of the story is um don't steal yes don't steal comic books yes um it's a small community of collectors and you most likely will get caught um yeah so it's such a specific community and all those serial numbers like come on exactly and and you know there are staples that are you know, rusted just the perfect way. There's pages that have foxing and mold and just the right folds on the pages that really give these things away. So yeah, people know, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, But yeah, so that 
that is my story for Jackie, my- that was so amazing and also like i love when people bring their personal lives and make an episode of it like the previous two episodes were about people's like hometowns and i love that this was about like comic books and you're a comic book historian like it's so inspiring and melissa and i need to do more of that like keep it close to home it's really really cool um oh. if people want to like get in touch with you or read your stuff or listen to your your podcast or anything like that where can you be reached yeah um so my website is www.sequential art or sequential art i'm sorry <laughs> sequential crush.com okay like perfect. sequential art got it okay. um and my podcast is also called sequential crush love it so just look that up and i'm on instagram and twitter at jackie and that's spelled J A C. Q-U-E-N-O-D-E-L-L. Amazing. Jackie, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we'll have to come have you come on again and just like talk about comic book history for us. Absolutely. I think it's so, so cool. Um, well, guys, if you guys uh, have any cool comic book stories, if you're comic book collectors or anything yes. like that, please email or call in. We're kind of stalled on mailbag episodes while Melissa's away, but we will have them in a few months from now. So while your message won't be timely, it will still be important. All right. Well, this is Jackie and Allie, and we are signing off. Bye. Thank you. Bye. An Elio's original. Powered by ACAST. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.